Are you in the store right now? No, actually, I'm in our home studio. Um, homes, yeah, store studio. I guess you say home studio, whatever. This it, it's at the store. The store's right up the hill here. So this is a uh, this is something we built back in. I don't know, last year, middle of COVID or something, one of those COVID, you know, everybody was building shit during COVID. So this is what we did. What, um, do you live on the same property that the Keddie store is on? Yeah, right behind it. Yeah, we bought the house that we bought at the, um, the house that we live in, we bought is probably 30 yards, an easy bow shot from my door, to back door to front door of my house, basically right there behind it. Really? Yeah. Well, that's kind of cool. So what is, is this family property that y'all been living no. on or you, you bought it, you bought it all when you decided to go into the music business? <laughs> no, it was bought in stages. Actually. Um, we bought it. We bought the store, the Kenny store, um, in on February 26, 2013, we signed the papers at 10 AM. Um, and up until that point, the store had never been, closed like well they were always closed on sundays and mondays but as far as the scheduled days opening they were supposed to open tuesday at three o'clock so when we signed the papers at 10 a.m me and my wife took the keys and drove straight over there and opened the doors with the previous owners we had um inventoried all the stuff on sunday when they were shut down and had an amount of every peanut and every soda water and every beer and you know my microwave popcorn that they had in there just bought it all when we did the closing and drove back to the store and opened it up at three o'clock. So it was never shut down really. Wow. So historically, what was the store? It was, it wasn't always a place to watch music. Was it? No, it, the store as far back as they can go. I've got some original ledger books. Okay. Now, first off, let me correct myself. When I say I, I really mean we, me and my wife, because, um, and actually really, this was Rita's idea, but uh, back to what you asked there. So in case I say I, everybody think we, because it ain't I, nothing. Um, we um, we got the books for the store that go all the way back, like handwritten ledgers, back to 1903. We've got some from 1910 to where it was, back then everything was mainly on a barter system. Uh, we've got barter coins from back when it was just a store where if you brought in a bale of wheat or bale of cotton or whatever, they weigh it up and give you some barter coins and come back next month and buy some eggs and milk with it. So that's what it was. It was a general store from 1887 until I would say somewhere in the back. Well, we can kind of piece back from some of the old, the old guests and stuff that were here somewhere around the mid fifties, um, August team bought it. And that was when alcohol got introduced and it was, it kind of went from that hybrid general store to a general store beer joint to where in the afternoon, all the local people would come and play dominoes. And if there was a, you know, a birthday or, bar, you know, a baptism or first communion or a funeral, that was the common hub for Kenny, Texas. Because up until the 50s, um, to the late 50s, it was a halfway decent little town, like a lot of towns were back then, that had a dentist office and a bank and a post office and, a and um, you know, a, a, a old filling station. And a tornado came through in the late 50s or maybe like 61 and wiped out 80% of the town, left our building and one other commercial building and everything else. They kind of had to rebuild the housing around it. And um, our, our, the neighbor, he's passed away since then. When we bought the store back in 13, 
He said, what'd you get for that store? And I said, well, that's kind of between me and the guy I bought it from. And he said, well, I'll just tell you this. When I bought this place right here, he said, I could have bought the whole town for $26,000. He said, but I didn't have $26,000, of course. And, um, you know, so it's crazy. And he's probably talking of what he was talking about would probably be, you know, I don't know. 3,500 acres or something like that, you know? Wow. I mean, you know, for just when it, with that area that he's talking about in Compton, oh, maybe not that much, he'll, you know, maybe 400 acres, 500 acres or something, you know, but whatever it was back then, he was like, I could have bought this whole area from the highway to highway, you know? For 26 so, grand. Yeah, and now it's going for 35,000 an acre, you know, so. So you, you, you just said something, Tony, about judging by some of the guests that were there around that 1950s time, do you was there any earlier recollections of any of the outlaws being in there? Any of the old Western gunslingers making their way across the country? Maybe going from from Oklahoma to Tombstone, Arizona, had to stop in. Again. Was there any recollection or historical findings of that kind of stuff? Man, nothing, nothing on those sides. What what Kenny was, what we can you know tell from the historical marker out there by the railroad. Uh, and what what a lot of the older you know, and, and when I say old timers, I mean some of them just passed away a couple of years ago. A man like uh, his name was Otto Krause, and um, Otto passed away you know a year and a half ago. I'd say he had uh, he's got four boys. Uh, one of them lived right across the road from the store, and that was where they grew up as kids. You know, their dad. Um, um, there was a horse trade that went on, and a guy pulled up was trying to sell a horse, and he said, "Well." If you can't ride that son of a gun in his beer joint, well, then he ain't worth buying. And of course, the guy jumped on it and wrote it right. And they got, they, there was an old, there's an old picture on the wall of this, you know, look like three year old gilding standing there, you know, with this young Otto Krause holding it in the middle of where my beer joint is now. You know, we're now, you know, we've had to repatch the floor after, you know, 130 years so many times that, you know, I worry about somebody doing the wobble and wobbling straight down through the rafters, but they're walking horses back there, you know, back in those days. And, but B.Y. Lynn was from this area. B.Y. Lynn was a cartoonist for the Houston Chronicle. Um, and I don't know the dates. Um, I'm, you and I are about the same age. I think you and I are about three or four years apart. But um, I, so B.Y. was before my time. And But he was a cartoonist that lived around here. And we've got pictures on the wall that I guess when he would sit around here, you know, sit around the store and, you know, have a beer, play dominoes or whatever, he'd draw the guys leaning on the bar. And, and we've got those hanging up that, that I know are got to be going back to the, you know, late, you know, early sixties, you know, maybe early seventies. That's so, so cool. you know, but it, it's neat to just see the history of the building. And, and, and um, we've got some of the pictures from Mr. Hensky, which, you know, they got to be coming from the early 1900s when he was standing on the porch and uh, you know, we did everything we could not to change any of it, but you know, at some point we, you know, you had to add central heat and air because when we bought it, there was no central heat or nor air. It was, a wood burning stove and a couple of window units and you just sweat it out through August, you know, but, uh, the way insurance is set up in these days, they came in and said, you are not, we're not going to insure you. If you're going to have a wood burning stove sitting inside a hundred year old timber building, you know, we're just not going to insure it. So, um, sadly we had to take it out. We set it out in the backyard that we acquired a few years later, uh, that became the big stage in the big outdoors. So you can still see that original wood burning stove when you're at a. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you can see the hole right where it was fluted out halfway through the building. And uh, the chimney finally fell down whenever the thing became unattached to the wood burning stove, the chimney finally gave up. We separated it from the building after it started sagging a little bit. 
<laughs> uh, but yeah, a lot, most of the floors to the store are pretty well original. Um, you know, we've had to add some here and there and try to match it up, but we, normally it was robbed from one of the back built, but one of the back rooms that we didn't use big, big hole in the built middle of it. Whenever we bought it, we just kind of used off of that as we needed it. So there's a whole movement where you're from in that state of music. You know, you got Nashville and you got Music City, USA. You got New Orleans and, 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 and you know, jazz back in the day that turned into some right. country music there. Georgia has a lot of artists that have come out of that, but I don't know of another state. You know, Hollywood and the Sunset Strip has got the rock and roll movement and the hair bands of the 80s. Um, Seattle had the grunge movement and they had their own music feel up there. Los Angeles and New York and Atlanta have had hip hop, you know, throughout the years. But Texas has had this music scene that is, I don't know how big it is. It's big and it's theirs. They own it. They don't put up with people messing with it. Uh, a good example of this is Pat Green that was huge in Texas. And I don't know if I'm yeah. speaking out. I don't know if I'm speaking out of turn here or out of fact here, but it seems like Pat Green fell off when he tried to do the Nashville thing and came out with wave on wave. It seems like Texas people said, uh, you done, you done, uh, you done deceived us, Pat. We're, uh, we're not going to support you anymore. And I don't know if that's a hundred percent true. Cause I'm sure Pat can still sell out some of the Texas areas, but would you think that Texas, you don't mess with their music scene, right? Man, I, I, you know, I wish I could, I could argue with you and, and, and say that, but I, I can't because I will, I mean, when, when, and I, I hate to say it and maybe it's, I think it's different now, definitely because, and it's different because of Cody Johnson, you know, uh, I mean, Cody Johnson started it basically, I, I don't know all his history, but basically started Sam Houston, you know, I'm sure playing shenanigans and a bunch of them, you know, and then grew into the mega star that he is now and people have embraced it. Um, I think Pat was just the first one in the, in the new modern age. Cause I mean, technically, I mean, you know, Willie, Willie went up there and tried Nashville when, when Nashville didn't want to part of Willie, Willie came back and said, okay, screw you. I'll do my own thing. It was, yeah, but you're right. When Pat hit there and wave on wave came out, um, Man, I know from being here and being in this industry that, man, people got upset quick, but there ain't a single one of them that when they lay down with that wave on wave lead on that guitar lead that every one of them not ready to sing along with it. So they they just, uh, they wanted to give him a hard time, but there's, I, I know every word. <laughs> how, how does George Strait start before the real Texas scene? Like there's Bob Wheels, and then there's Waylon, there's Willie. There's these guys that were all around Texas for a long time. Um, the outlaw movements in the late 70s, early 80s, they do kind of say, you know, screw you, Nashville. They got guys like Jerry Reed and and uh, Mel Tillis and and other people that are kind of hanging around with the 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 Chris Christopherson, Willie Nelson. Waylon Jennings, David Allen Coe, you got that whole outlaw movement, but there's something to, to be said that George Strait came from Texas and sang Texas songs, wore a hat like you're wearing, a resist all cowboy hat, and blew the, blew the doors off of country music to where here we are now in 2022, he's approaching 70, he, still sell, he's, he just announced a huge mega arena tour next year or stadium tour, I should say with Chris Stapleton, eight stops and football stadiums. Uh, they'll sell out like there's no tomorrow. So did it start 
after George Strait hits it? Because you would think that somebody like maybe Robert Earl King came along, right? And said, hey, let's just keep this in Texas or something. I don't, I kind of, I'm interested in like, why did all of a sudden they just want to stay in Texas? Well, okay. So I, I think the biggest, the biggest, the easiest way that I can explain that is that Yes, George Strait was from Texas, and George Strait started out as a cover band, you know, and and Green Hall, and and and, and made the band circuit. But the biggest thing about George Strait is technically George Strait, for the biggest part of his his however many sixty one, sixty three number one hits he had were written by somebody else. To where traditionally your Texas artists, like you say, what Robert O'Keefe and Jerry Jeff Walker and Willie Nelson. And um, I mean, Cody Johnson and guys like, um, I mean, when you think Kevin Fowler, Roger Craiger, the guys that are writing here in Texas, they're cutting here in Texas to where George's and and man, if I'm speaking out of ignorance because I don't know my history, that's great. You know, then I'm just wrong. But that's the way I interpret it is that George truly was. Yeah, he's truly a Texas artist, but he was always a Nashville artist from his popularity because the songs were getting fed to him from Dean Dillon. Hank Cochran and these type of these Nashville writers, they weren't true. I mean, you know what I'm getting at with there? They were, they were Nashville publishing, not tech, not Texas songwriters. And there's a big difference when you take uh, Jamie Johnson, Jamie Johnson is one of my all time favorite, but he is a, he's not a Texas writer. He's not a Nashville writer. Um, You know, Chris Stapleton, you know, there's, there's, you know, these, where these writers come from, but where the songs are fed through either Nashville or Texas, I think is the biggest difference in the, in the artists. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, you got Stapleton from Kentucky, Jamie Johnson from Alabama. They both made the move to Nashville and now, you know, Chris was with the, was with the steel drivers for years before he came right. out and Jamie's story of how he put his first album in the dollar and then the lonesome song, which I do wholeheartedly be, agree with one you. Of the best one. That might be one of the best albums of all time. I mean, of all time, if not the best song to song. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good point. I'm, I'm, I wonder like Stony LaRue and like you mentioned, you know, Kevin and Roger, then you got Hayes Carl, who's a genius songwriter. Yeah. He's out, he's out on the road. I just had our boy Wyatt Hubbard. McCubbin. I just had Wyatt McCubbin on the podcast yesterday and he oh, talked about man. you and he couldn't believe I had met you and, and uh, Jake and then talked about that. He, he's like, Oh, they're coming on the show. And he talked about him and Brent Cobb being down there at the Kenny store awesome, and how man. special that was. But yeah, I, I, you know, like it's, it's, it's weird though. It's weird that Cody Johnson can come up playing the Houston rodeo, doing all those bars and honky tonks and dives through Texas, and then do it. Parker McCollum's kind of doing the same thing. He's kind of going on that that Texas, but I'm in Nashville. He's on the Nashville radio a lot. You will never hear, in my opinion, a Stony LaRue or a Hayes Carl or a Robert Earl Keene song on the highway. You'll see him on the Texas charts. But now Parker McCollum is a, is a he's a mainstay on Nashville radio on the highway that's stationed yep. right out of Nashville. And so is George Strait, which he doesn't get played on the radio anymore, which is BS. And then you got the guy you just mentioned, Cody Johnson, who's collaborating with Zach Brown and all sorts of artists and, and doing his thing. So it's just a weird phenomenon to me that it's, I would listen to Corey Morrow and Pat Green like it was going out of style. I, 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 like I told you when I met you, like I was a Jerry Jeff Walker groupie. I used to come to his birthday party all the time in Austin. Um, and that's how I really got introduced to all of these other Texas artists was, was, was holding on and grasping on to Jerry Jeff Walker. And then, you, you know, you kind of figure out 
who wrote a lot of his songs and you're like, oh my gosh, he's like, you like figure out who Guy Clark is and how special he was to music. But there's something to be said, Tony Kruger, that with that name, you probably got the best holiday coming up this weekend, huh? <laughs> like, you, you, are you dressing up like your cousin Freddie? Fun to go through Air Force boot camp with the last name like Kruger, you know? Yeah. So, so uh, I, we, I, at, at a very young age, you know, I have told everybody, I pronounce it Krieger, you Krieger. know? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're Rogers, brother. So anyway, if you think about just Corey Morrow specifically, I mean, I'm talking uh, Pat Green. What happened to the guy? Like something happened between him and Texas music fans that almost, in my opinion, ended his career because he was on the rise. He was becoming a superstar and something happened. Something happened to that one case, that one case right there. And I don't even know if he's as popular in Texas anymore as he was before he went to Nashville. I don't know. I, I haven't. When I see Texas guys selling out now, it's not Pat Green anymore, but he still might. He still might. I don't know. You know, I, um, yeah, it's it, it might yeah, not even I mean, be a topic still, of conversation. He's still a draw, no doubt. I mean, I I mean, I'd book him in a heartbeat. You know, um, because not. I think he would. I, I mean, he, I think he'd sell out our backyard. And um, you know, it's. But I can't. But I I can't disagree with you. I mean, I know what you're talking about because, you know, whether I agreed with it or or whatever. And, but this is the weird thing. I grew up up here in Texas, but. You know, like you say, Jerry Jeff Walker brought you into, um, you know, Texas music. I was in Texas, but I was looking at Nashville. You know, I was looking at the guys like Daryl Singletary and, um, you know, Johnny Lee. And um, I mean, it didn't matter. Eddie Raven, Vern Gosden. I, I was looking at that. To me, that was the music that I wanted to listen to because that's what was on the radio played. And that's what we could hear. There weren't. We didn't have satellite radio to where you could get outlaw country. Uh, how there's not a Texas country station on Sirius XM absolutely kind of baffles me because there's, you know, a lot of them just end up on outlaw channel and maybe that's what it is. But um, there wasn't, they, well, I didn't listen to all of it. And I didn't go to concerts. I was, I was working. I had kids to raise. I had Jacob and Scott and, you know, so we were working. We didn't do a lot of concerts. It's funny came, though that it's funny that Texans will, be upset if a Texan goes to Nashville. I I, I feel this in oh, my yeah. heart. I feel yeah. in my heart that they get upset. They're like, wait, that's not our scene. This is Texas music. But Jerry well, Jeff Walker, above your raising a little bit, you know, yeah, it's, kind I, of, it's, it's almost like, hey, but, this but what, good enough for you? Okay, well then maybe we won't be good. You know, I I, I we're 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 Texans, man. We don't. But you they'll know. accept people. They'll accept people. Home. Like okay, home. okay. Jerry Jeff Walker, I think, was born in Syracuse, New York, or somewhere up in upstate New York. Then he went to New Orleans, and that's how he got the idea when he got all drunk in public and thrown in the clinker for dancing. You know, for and that's when he wrote Bojangles. Um, Hayes Carl, I believe, is from Arkansas or Oklahoma. Um, uh, Reckless Kelly and Mickey and the Motor Cars are both from Idaho. So Texas will accept you in to come all in and be Texas, even if you're not born in the state. But if you're born in the state like Pat Green and you go outside of Texas, now you're ostracized. That's how it seems to me a little bit. Well, I mean, you know, we all wish everybody well when they go on to bigger and better things. But secretly, you know, we're a little aggravated. They didn't think we were that great, you know. And well, I don't you know, know if that's what people are saying. And, I, and like I said, I, I can honestly say that wasn't how I felt because at the time, 
my introduction to Pat Green came through the Nashville wave on a wave. I, I, oh, I mean, really? I heard his name, but as far as listening to his music, I didn't listen to that. Uh, for me, I got introduced to Texas music through like Jacob and, and, and our youngest one, Scott, because Jacob was so into music that, and, and at the time, back when Jacob would have been going to high school, I'm going to say, you know, through the, you know, mid two thousands, uh, early to mid two thousands. I'm Stoney LaRue is the best Texas artist that I'm calling him a Texas artist. And he's not from Texas. I just, you know, that's how much I knew about it. Is he, he from was, Oklahoma? I, I do believe so. And if I'm wrong, well, then I'm sorry, Stoney, but you know, I got to um, see, I want to see. Yeah. For, because, for me, uh, Stoney had the best voice. You oh, know? he's amazing. What about, I mean, uh, what about old Toby Keith coming out with that Stoney LaRue hit just now? Did you see that? Uh-uh, I didn't. Toby, no, I didn't. To Toby Keith, who's from Oklahoma, just released Oklahoma Breakdown. Oh, which was, man. Which, really? which, was to which was Stoney's big oh, hit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but, you know, man, over the years, you know, and we've had Stoney, and it was it was awesome. It was a, it was an awesome night. Um, and Stoney, was Stoney LaRue was born in Taft, Texas in 1977. <clears throat> well, then I'm a moron. Okay. I just kind of, I guess he, I thought he fell in there with like cross Canadian and some of those guys and the Oklahoma breakdown, I guess, threw me off. So, yeah, me too. I would have, I would have bet that he wasn't from Texas either, but boy, he is good. I've seen him. I saw him so many times at the Grizzly Rose in Denver. I used to go see Stoney LaRue there every goose season. The best band, in my opinion, in America right now is from Texas, Whiskey Myers. I think that they are an amazing act. We need to get them to the Kenny store. I know they just sold out the Dickies Arena in Fort Worth. Are you a fan of that type of music? Are you a Whiskey yeah, Myers uh, guy? Yeah, uh, right now, I mean, like Stone for me um, and um, Stone. Oh, what a song. Yeah. I mean, and so for me, and, and to get that acoustic version that's there on YouTube somewhere when you do it, when they're, I mean, it's, it's killer. I mean, my, I don't know, man, being in this, I'm a fan of, I'm a fan of a whole, whole, whole lot of different stuff out there because you have, we're having to watch so much of it so that you can bring the acts through. It's, it's a challenge. It's, that's the hardest part of the job, you know, is, is trying to not miss them because I've missed, I've missed a big one that I could have gotten cheap and it would have been a hero. And then I've, you know, I've got some that I thought were going to be great and you just lose money on them. So who was that Cody Johnson? Oh no, no, I would have to say bigger than that. So wait a minute, Chris Stapleton. Yes, sir. <laughs> really? You could have got Chris. Yes, Boy, sir. That would, that would have been, that would have been special. I didn't think I could sell a hundred tickets to him at that point. And at that point I couldn't. And that was, we were doing our Wednesday night thing and all we could see was a hundred people. And I can remember calling his booking agency at the time. And I just gave them, I said, Hey, hell I'll say it. I don't care. You know, I was like, Hey, I need all the acts that I can get, you know, for under $5,000, you know, and this was back in, well, I mean, it was right when it was the spring before the Justin Timberlake, whichever that would have been what 15 or something like that when he went on the CMAs and, and, knocked on the door of the world and said, here I am. <laughs> Amazing. From there. But the spring before I was looking for artists that I could book and he was on a list and, and I, I called around and, and called, I even called Jacob. and was like, Hey, I'm gonna read you down all this list. And Jacob said it straight that I'll never forget it. Mo Pitney was on the list at that time. But when I said Chris Stapleton, he said, Tony, this is a deal. He goes, that's the greatest singer that you will ever hear right there. He goes, and I go, I've never heard of him. And he goes, man, he's bad. You know, he's just an awesome songwriter. But, 
and he's got the greatest voice, but I don't, I don't know if anybody down there in Texas would know who he is, but people up here would, you know, from the writing, writing circles. And, and he goes, but I don't know anybody in Texas was. So I started asking around and I mean, check, I, I want to say traveler. I don't want to say the traveler album was out or there was a single or two it, out to where, it actually, was out. where I, I was like, Hey, listen, you know, you would you pay at the time we were trying to get $50 a ticket and a meal was included with that. And I was like, would you come listen to this? And they were like, I don't know if I'd spend 50 bucks. I don't know who it is. Yeah. He sounds great, but I don't know. And the same week that we were trying to decide Charlie Robinson's agent, cause I sent out some emails trying to fill a November day and Charlie, Charlie Robinson's, um, Robinson's agent emailed and said, Hey, we got, we got a shot. We need a date on this November. And I said, well, there's a guaranteed sellout for a hundred people and signed the contract on him. And the week, the week, the Thursday before we would have had that. So the, the Thursday before we had Charlie Robinson, which would have been Chris Stapleton, I'm sitting there inside the store watching Chris Stapleton and Justin Timberlake lay down <laughs> Tennessee whiskey. And he had a date in Katy, Texas at Moe's place that Friday. And that's why they wanted me to take that Wednesday. Um, and that I turned down like a freaking idiot. Um, and he honored his deal with Mose. whatever he was getting, I don't know, but it, he could have gotten 20 times more than that, that quick. Cause a week later he played it and you know, that was one of those deals. So I passed, but I made a commitment that when I listen to somebody now like White McCubbin and Brent Cobb and, you know, Craig Campbell and Daryl Worley and Mark Wills, when I, when you, when a guy can sing, you book him and, even if you don't sell him out the first time, you'll sell him out the second time. So now, you know, that's, that, that's what it taught me, but yeah, I passed on Chris Stapleton. Wow. That's a heck of a story right there. What about, um, this little band that they now call themselves the chicks. Are they relevant anymore in the state of Texas? Did Natalie Maines destroy their legacy with her antics and uh, her inability to really just kind of, you know, just shut up and sing, I guess, as my good friend Brent Cobb would say. Um, are they relevant anymore in the state of Texas? Do you hear of them? Because you just brought up Charlie Robinson. Uh, his brother Bruce are two of my favorites. God dang, Charlie. Is he healthy? He can, I heard he could never sing again. But uh, uh, Charlie is actually booked to play Steamboat this year in January. And I don't, I, don't, um, I don't pretend to know Charlie or pretend to know anybody in his camp. But I did talk to somebody that's that was familiar with the booking side of that, that that said that his he's he's his vocals are back and um that you know he must have had a little procedure. You know, I just think, you know, and I know he retired and I know that they said it was vocal issues, or at least that's what the internet said. But I got I got a feeling that Charlie was just, you know, that was that was right there around the COVID time or pre-COVID or whatever. And uh, I mean, you know, whatever the reasoning was, he probably was just ready to take a break for a little bit. And a lot of times the artists. I mean, you you know about this. You've been be around these guys long enough. I mean, they go through their ups and down cycles, their creative cycles, and they get burnt out because the road life. There's nothing else like it in this world than to be. I don't care if it is a Prevost bus or if it's an Econo van. It's all tight and it's all long and it's all bumpy and there's there's not the money in it that people think there is until you get to that. Those guys are working because they got to work. You know, and sometimes the ones that don't have to work as much, they'd like to take a break and, and chill it down. They need to, and they come back stronger usually. Hope it works out good for Charlie. But I do back. too. I love my hometown. I love everything. I, God, he's got some good songs. 
Uh, he was married to one of the chicks, though, or was his brother? Yes. No, it was Charlie, I do. But yeah, it was Charlie. From the show that I remember, yeah, from the stories, it was him that was. But um, I, you ask it. The way the Dixie chicks have handled in some of the statements that they, I don't think they care if they're relevant in Texas or not. I don't think they want to be relevant basically anywhere related to the South. I mean, you know, they dropped the name Dixie and everything else trying to make a statement. And that was what got her in hot water the first time was her, you know, just some of the comments that she was making anti-war. And so whatever the reasoning was, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't think Texas thinks a whole lot about it. I know, I know, the, I know one doesn't. <laughs> so as an entrepreneur and business owner, you have to have goals. You have to have an ROI. You have to have revenue. I, obviously. Is one of your goals to be Broken Spoke, Green Hall, Lukenbach? And I know there's a lot of other nostalgia down there and uh, just iconic venues. But when you think small, powerful places, I think of Lukenbach or Green Hall. Now, there's more. Okay, you know way oh, more I, about I, the I, scene I, than yeah, I do. Yeah. But yeah. is this is this your goal, Tony, to bring in or educate the listening audience, please, on where the Kenny store is right now, what you're doing with it, and what your goals are? Do you want to be the next Green Hall? Is there even a such thing as that? Because it's not, nobody's ever going to replace Green Hall. But can you get there to be that destination? Because I would fly into Austin and then drive over to Green Hall or drive over to Lukenbach at points in my list, music listening career. Is that what your goal is with the Kenny store? Yeah, it's going to, I mean, that's what it's, my wife has stood on that stage and we've stood on that stage since 2000 and since the second week after we opened the store. And my wife has said, we want this to be the number one live music venue in the state of Texas. Um, I would dang sure settle for central Texas because Texas is big and there's a lot of great ones out there. But that's, yes, that's exactly what I want. And that's what she wants. And that's what we want. But I will tell you that right now in the industry, it's fragile for, for all of us. It's fragile for the big ones. It's fragile for um, it's fragile for the Luke and box and the green halls because um, the, the, the industry has gone so much digital. People can get so much. I don't want to say live music digitally because that doesn't make any sense, but there's so much raw footage out there of even the big guys, you know, I mean, you'll see Cody Johnson sit down with a guitar and they'll put it out and you can get it. And that was some of the big appeal to live music was the, the intimacy of it. And the artists are figuring out how to go digitally. So I think the store is going to have to go digitally in a lot of ways. You know, I would love to, to pair up with a good, a good partner and a good network to where we could bring in a video crew. And, and I mean, we've got the audio and we've got the acoustics and we've got the acts. We're booking the same acts at Larry's Country Diner and everything else that you see on RFD TV and Cowboy Channel and on a lot of these other networks out of Florida and, and stuff like that. Um, we're booking those same acts. We just don't have that outlet for the people to see it to where we then will become the Luke and Bach because you're going to become a tourist trap because you can reach more people and they're going to, like say, fly to come see a show. Because, no, we don't have a local – our local business is less than 10%. It's all 90% destination at this point already. From how much of that 90% is Texas? Yeah, yes. Well, and we we see it. We see a few 
uh, if the acts are big enough, like when we booked Steve Warner, Shenandoah, John Anderson, we'll we'll get a blip. And you know, we had I want to say it was Warner, Shenandoah that we sold four tickets out of Chicago somewhere that we could see from analytics. We we're like, well, we made it up there somehow. Um, uh, we we're getting around four million views a, a, a month on our combined media, um, and a lot of it's from Norway and Sweden, and when the people that are watching our videos are worldwide. Uh, so now we're trying to figure out they can't get here every weekend to keep it going. So how, how do we get to them? That's our goal. I think that's our goal for 23 is to figure out how to get into more homes without ever having to move. And so that if you're ever within 200 miles of Kenny, Texas, it's worth the drive to you because you've, you've, you've already seen it enough. And, you know, you know, you know, our staff, you know, Sarah and Leslie and, um, you know, my kitchen help and Casey and Kyle and, and all our staff that's been with us, you know them before you ever get here, you know, and you're excited to see them. Some of the regulars that are in here pretty regular that are not regular. <laughs> uh, not regular. Um, is it, you've said beer joint. Is it just a beer joint or can you get a Jack Daniels at your bar? No, it's full liquor. It's full liquor. We've got, we've got food. Um, uh, my wife, my wife has done a great job with the wine selection and stuff like that. Uh, we try to keep, an average amount of upper end bourbon, not a lot, you know, was four or five bottles of mixed up, you know, and, and, uh, but at, at the heart, we're a live music venue that is what we are. I mean, we're, we've got an inside listening room for 160 and we got an outside for about 550 that can be comfortable and not elbow to elbow where it's not amphitheater feel. You know, I can put a thousand people in there, but you better be close friends. You're going to be, you me tip to cheek at some point be close okay so describe to the the listeners the layout like i'm i'm always in i'm always like i'm i'm really in, into intimacy i love the idea of a beer joint and then a nice meal and then an awesome concert um is it rowdy is it a listening room per se like bluebird or the bluebird cafe would be in nashville is it loud and obnoxious like the the Grizzly Rose can get to be in, in Texas? Is no. there standing room only, or is it sit down and you better respect the artist and nobody talks during it? There is. Um, we have, My wife calls them the shush notes. We start every concert, and these poor people. Now, keep in mind, we have about 110 people that have been sitting in the same seats at the same table and don't miss a monthly concert since 2015. They, so I've got a core built-in base, but it is a listening room on our Wednesday night. Or we're like, when we've got Gene Watson coming in this coming weekend inside, basically if it's inside, you better be quiet. If it's outside, you're willing, you're able to talk and, and dance and cut up. But we have our inside dances, but on that Wednesday night, you're quiet. We have our shush notes that, you know, that say, look, out of respect for the artist, Please be quiet through the show. It's 90 minutes. You know, you can give them respect for that. That's my wife's kind of version. Mine simply said, if you talk during the turn during the concert, you'll be asked to leave no refund. You know, and I don't, I don't, we've asked, we only had to do it once. And it's just, you know, it, it, it's only happened once to where I've actually had to ask some people, look, I'm sorry, y'all aren't here for the right reason and you're disturbing everybody else. It's time to go. And um, we got a bad review and it didn't matter. I, I gave all through the whole thing and it, Made me glad because they they said it, you know. We just wanted to hang out and talk and visit. And they didn't want to let us. No, that was the wrong show. It was Radney Foster. 
you know, if I'm not mistaken, and he's talking stories and, you know, no, you're not interrupting that man. <laughs> I love that dude. And I think that it's weird because you have the right to do that. When you pay money to go to that type of environment. Now, look, I know there's different, I can't buy a ticket to a festival and go in there and be out there with 40,000 people thinking I'm going to be able to shush them. They're going to be drunk. They're going to be rowdy. They're going to be obnoxious. I just don't want to see a fist fight. I just, I want to watch the show and I'm going to have some different energy than I would if I'm sitting in green hall or the Kenny store. So I was in a theater setting twice, once for Jamie Johnson and once for Drake White. And I had to both, I had to shush the people in front of me almost to the point to where it almost turned into a fist fight. And I'm like, there's a casino out there with 50 blackjack tables and craps tables and slots. Were and you big at the Golden Nugget Lake Charles? Nope. I was in freaking Reno, Nevada at the Grand Sierra Resort, but I've been to many, I've been there in Lake Charles. We um, were seeing we saw Jamie Johnson at Golden Nugget of Lake Charles, and me and another buddy of mine knew we were fixing up to back up this dude because there were some guys just acting total jerks. And and I mean, no, he's we're doing the acoustic lead-in on his stuff. You're not. And, yeah, and guy, usually, man, usually Jamie will quiet him up. And a guy asked him to sit down, and according to two other dudes, but we're like, all right, we're, you know, I, oh, okay, I thought maybe it was you. Go ahead with your story. Sorry. <laughs> but I, but I've, I've had to do that, and I'm just like, you can walk, if you want to talk, take your girl and go talk to her or try to woo her out in the casino, but don't right. be ignorant and ruin the experience for everybody around you. That's that everybody could say, well, what's a concert? We could do this. I'm like, no. There's a time and a place for everything, and you're not going to ruin my experience just because you want to have a conversation of trying to get this girl to think that you're something that you're probably not. Get out of here and let me listen to Jamie Johnson. And I, it's just like, I, I've never understood that mindset that people think it's about them. They, I went there to watch Jamie. I don't give a shit about you. I'm there to watch Jamie and Chris Hennessy and his band rip it. I don't care about you. So why right. are you making this about you? That's what I'm saying is I'm glad to hear about the shush notes oh, and that no, you, no, that, we're, that you we're can expect quietness. <laughs> you know, like I said, you, we've got it and, 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 and you can figure it out. You know, we're going to do Steve Warner. We're leaving the dance floor open. This means you can hoop and holler and you're supposed to dance and you're supposed to clap and sing along. But you got to have enough sense too, that all of a sudden, even in that setting, if he strips it down and sends the band behind the stage and is standing there with his guitar, now it's time for you to shut up for about 15 minutes. Exactly. When the band comes back out and the bass and electric kicks in, go back to hooping and hollering. And, and, and I don't, we've never had an issue, you know, going up and going, Hey, now's not the time for that setting. There will come a time and that's a different ticket price. That's an $8 get puked on price. This was $127. You got a meal and you're sitting down and it's quiet and dark. Shut up. hundred percent. I love that. I'm so glad to hear that. Um, so what do we got going on? What's coming up? Um, let me go. I was just on your website and I know that you have um, some great, what is it? Kennystore.com? Yes, sir. The, or just Kenny store. The, the Kenny store, the, there you go. The, I want to tell the audience. Yeah, we've got, um, you know, uh, this coming Wednesday, I mean, well, I don't know when this will come out, but anyway, we, uh, it, it needs to be said, Chad Prather and the Ragamuffins are going to be there for our dinner concert for our November show. Um, our December show is going to be Jason Roberts, uh, which is you know, from Asleep at the Wheel. Um, he's got a couple of different versions of a show that he can do. 
Um, and uh, so that's going to be a good dinner show there. But in between there, we're going to have like Gene Watson will be there next weekend. Um, Jesse Robb Jr., uh, Jared Birmingham, uh, Jake Bush. So these are a lot of these Texas guys that, you know, um, had the, uh, the privilege to work with some of these guys that I will tell you, I mean, you give Nashville about another 12 to 16 months, and a lot of these names that, that, that I've listed off, you're going to hear, I think, on the national radio because um, Nashville's, Nashville's listening to what people actually want. And, um, and it's, it, it looks like, um, at least what a lot of people want, um, a, you know, a, a little bit more style, a little bit more throwback to the nineties and, and, um, a little bit more about the word and a little bit more about the instrumentation, less about, you know, less about some tracks, I think. Do you, how can I ask this? Do you have, a, do you, do you have skin in the game? Like are you taking ownership of these acts because you want to see them succeed or is it more, this is my business. I'm going to give you the best venue and the best platform to showcase your talents on. How close do you get with these artists? How supportive of, of, of them are you behind the scenes and how much of a role does the Kenny store play in, in, in supporting and breaking, I guess, quote unquote, breaking these artists. Cause you just said, Mark your words. We're going to hear these guys coming up on Nashville and Texas radio. Are you taking ownership in that or how does that work with you? Um, oh man, that's a, that's no, I don't take ownership. I don't take ownership in any of their, uh, uh, any of their accolades for sure. Now saying that, you know, there have been acts that, um, I, when Wyatt, when Wyatt came down here and played, I mean, I, I want to say this was only his second show and the other one was up pretty close, you know, North Texas somewhere. So, uh, I want to say that was one of his first shows here in, in Texas was to come play our listening room. And he's played it twice since then. Um, and so, you know, he did get introduced to some people that never would have, you know, I, I'm not going to say never, but up until that point, hadn't seen him. Um, there's been some acts like, um, I feel like we were pretty early on the cusp of a lot of them. We, we booked Charlie Crockett, um, two, two different times, you know, two times, one time inside for our Wednesday night for like 120 people. And he brought in a full band and blew it out the water. And you knew right off the bat that Charlie Crockett was going to entertain people to the part, to the point of stardom. He was so entertaining and his music was so different and so authentic. Um, not, not that everybody got it in my crowd that night because they are pretty traditionalist. So a little bit of flair every now and then freak a few of them out, but the ones that are true there for the artist and to be exposed to something new. And that's, what's great about that Wednesday night. And those people that are left in that group, they'll take anything I give them. They buy tickets for the next month's show and never have an idea who's coming because I don't always know yet, because I may be scrambling because of a tour tour issue or a hiccup along the way. I mean, they, I've told them, Hey, I don't know who's going to be here next month, but it's going to cost a hundred dollars, you know, and you'll get a meal with it, you know, and they pay it and come on for the next month. But yeah, I mean, like Glenn Templeton, we were, we were ahead of that curve, I think. Um, and Glenn was from Nashville and, and we, he played a little bit down here and then we kind of brought him in and then all of a sudden he got, he played the local County fairs in our, our County fair and the one next to us. And then the one next to us. And now he's doing, you know, probably 50, 80 dates a year in Texas. I would imagine. I don't, I don't fall in that close, but he's down here a bunch. So yeah, we, I wouldn't say we break them because that's been that, 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 <laughs> 
one one show can't do that or, or one venue can't but there's acts that you know but i mean i've got the i've got the management company on the side too that 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 watch it on that side and that's why probably i say more like watch these acts um because i do have a, a, a independent artist management and booking and consulting business on other than the kenny store too that i do um i love hearing that because it, i just you know talking with wyatt yesterday he thanked me at the end of the podcast about being a you know a, a battery or a mechanism that helps because i'm like what does it take to get heard you know like when you hear wyatt mccubbin sing the lyrics that he writes it's so good. Like it, I know that Jamie, I know that Jamie Johnson doesn't play by the rules, but Jamie Johnson should be the biggest thing in country music. Like that's the voice of our generation. Like you can't, you never will match that album, the Lonesome Song. You just, you can match it, maybe Tony Kruger, but you can't do better, in my opinion. You now, it just shows you where our listening audience is and how it keeps transitioning and the, you know, the ebb and flows of it and the the ups and downs. But man, it's like awesome to see what you're doing at the Kenny store to because it's a lot of work. It's a risk. I know you have fun doing it. But thank you for doing it because people like like I wish you would have booked this tour right now of Hayes Carl and 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 and, and, uh, and Brett Cobb getting together. I mean, talk about some songwriting genius in the same room going back and forth, right? Like hearing Drunken Poets Dream followed up by digging holes. Like that's a night to remember at the Kenny store. So that's awesome that you're doing it for artists man. to give them a chance. I, I I want to say thank you for it. Well, man, I appreciate it. But I mean, you know, my, my wife, I mean, it's crazy because what people don't understand is that whether you have the money or not, doesn't mean that you can book an act. You know, most people just think that, you know, and, and you get, you know, why don't you book Parker McCollum? Well, first off, you know, there is a money. I can't sell enough tickets to pay, you know, what he deserves to get and what he's earned in his career. But even when they're going up, you know, I've had, I've had booking agents turn me down for Billy Joe Shaver because they go, man, you can't seat but 150 people in there and it's bad for his career. I speaking of Jay, I've been trying to book Jamie Johnston for, I've had a standing offer for Jamie Johnson for like three years, but it, it's not the right business move for Jamie to play a 150 seater because that's where I would want him to play so that he would get the respect that he deserves. So people would be quiet. I'm scared to put Jamie Johnson outside um, in front of 600 people because I want them to get what the point of the show is. And that is to listen and understand how great of an artist that you have in front of you. So I only want to do certain acts inside and it, you know, Jamie can, Jamie can, sell out whitewater and he can sell out, you know, stadiums and he can do, you know, Cynthia Woods Pavilion. It's not smart for his career to play at the Kenny store. And, and that's the hardest part about it. I can sell tickets to acts, but the agents and the management, you know, won't let them play here because it's not best for their career. And from a guy that manages an act or two, I, I understand that mentality, but that's what we're up against by being smaller. So that's the hard part. But so you to get a Wyatt McCubbin or Brent Cobbin here, you know, they may be past us already. Brent may be with Hayes Carl may be too big for it to make sense for them to play that or something of 150 or, you know, it'd be like Willie Nelson. It doesn't make any sense to play 600 people. Yeah. 
I, I could I totally understand that. I mean, that's what you're fighting against. So I hate it. You know, I want it the other way. I'm like, you give me a price. I'll try to get some of his sponsors or something, and we'll put on the greatest show of the of the year, and you know, we'll video it, and they can have all that. I don't care, but you know, we'll do whatever you want to do. But let me enter. Let me do this, and it's not about money. Sometimes it's about um, perception, and it needs to be. It has to be because those guys work hard to get there. Well, can't, uh, Tony Kruger, the Kenny store in Kenny, Texas. It might be time to get some big iron excavators, some dozers, some DC tens, and move some dirt and build a Kenny store amphitheater and put 10,000 seats in, in a big stage and, and voila. Now you got Jamie Johnson at the Kenny store. I'm just saying this could be the well, next move. I've got, I've the, got the move. piece. I've got the piece of property in our sites, but that's, uh, you know, right now, I don't know if anybody's, if anybody's mentioned this to you, but, um, the restaurant live music, uh, bar business, you know, didn't, um, didn't fare, fare so well in, uh, 2020 due to the fact that alcohol will spread COVID immensely. Apparently food and alcohol in a public place will catch you COVID in a heartbeat. So they shut all that down. So I heard that. Yeah, it was, it you was, think, you would think that the alcohol would prevent it. Uh, you would, you would just think that, you know, Hey, this would, just in, this just in rest yeah. in peace, rest in peace, music wow. legend and icon. The singer of Great Balls of Fire, Jerry Lee Lewis, has passed away at the age of 87. Rest in peace, Jerry Lee Lewis. Man, when you hear that riff on that piano, dang it, I'm, dang it, we lost another great one today, but 87, what a great life. Could you imagine being a fly on the wall in Jerry Lewis's life? Jerry Lee Lewis's life, I should say Jerry Lee Lewis, not Jerry Lewis. Yeah. But could yeah. you imagine being a fly on the wall when him and Elvis and him and oh, Willie like, yeah. and him and Johnny Cash would get together? Man, um, we don't yeah, we no. don't even know how to party, Tony Kruger. No, we don't even no, no, know. No. no, I thought I I I genuinely think that I have been a participant to some pretty decent after parties uh, after the last decade. Um, but I no nothing compared to that. Now look, know, that's I, a good point, Tony Kruger. You 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 made a comment twenty five minutes ago about the Prevost and the and the Sprinter vans and the trailer behind it and. You know, I saw you running around doing sound and everything with with your. We're going to get into your stepson's music here in a minute. Who just it was? Uh, we just released his podcast episode here. It was great, by the way. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, is it hard on your liver? Has it been difficult for you as a business proprietor and an entrepreneur to stop that part of it, or do you find yourself? always have an excuse to pop a cold beer or having a jack because in my life going from duck camp to goose camp to concert to this event to spring training it just seems like it's always readily available and i'm not making excuses and i'm not trying to get your into your personal business but this is a serious thing because this lifestyle will will chew you up if you allow it are you able to with your wife and being in a family business have you seen it getting out of control at all we don't, we, neither, neither one of us, I would, I wouldn't call either one of us a drinker. Um, um, we do drink, but we don't. And if my, if my, if my wife has a glass of wine, um, once a month or twice a month when the store is actually open and she's down there, that would be a lot. If I have two Budweiser's, uh, that would be a lot. Um, we both come from a law enforcement background. She, she, this all started because she had 20 years as a, as a peace officer in the state of Texas. I was sitting at 16 at that point and she was ready to get out of the, uh, she worked for the uh, state of Texas um, in the, in the, 
at the Office of Inspector General's office doing uh, welfare fraud, Medicaid fraud, uh, that just basically fraud cases, um, and um, was to the point that she was ready to get out. So this was her retirement gig, was to buy a little beer joint that may have some food coming out of the window every now and then, and it grew into this monster. Um, that's awesome to hear. Well, that's great. Um, we don't drink that much to answer your question. I think from just a law enforcement background, that we've always said that the last thing two drunks need when they're arguing is a third drunk telling them what to do. So I just always like to be a, the soberest guy in the room at all time. Good for you. Good for you. Um, thank you for also what you guys, both of you did for law enforcement and oh, keeping your you, community man. safe. Do you have a problem? Do you have a lot of problems with that at the Kenny store? Does, does it get rowdy? No, and I can't say that over the last decade, we haven't had a few little spats. We had, we had a pretty good spat back during, um, you know, during uh, COVID that I just think was just the product of um, people being cooped up for so long. And we did have the outdoor air. So we had, we had a lot of people. We were the only game in town for a little bit there for about, you know, a month or two. Um, so we had the outdoor. But um, that was the only beginning days. Yeah, we had, to, we had to put our foot down a little bit with a few of the local jerks. And, you know, we kind of encourage them to go on somewhere else. And, but after that, it's just been a family's place. We, heck, we got kids in there dancing on grandma, on grandpa's feet, you know, so people aren't in that mindset and we don't do shots. We, we have full liquor, but we won't sell a shot because that's what I feel like leads to the, Here we, you know, that <laughs> mentality. And, uh, you know, and I, you know, it's cowboys and the next guy, I guess and I shouldn't say that's way more bigger cowboys and better cowboys than me, but, um, you recognize that call pretty quick from law enforcement. So we try to keep that out of the mentality. But what will ha happen there today? Give me a rundown of it's a Friday. Um, well, is it an, it's a no show day, but do you open up the bar? Will you have a local crowd in there? Will there be a local band playing a jukebox playing? What goes down on the Kenny store when there's not a live show? Tonight will be the Astros watch party. So the Astros starting the world series. So, you know, there's two things that, that, that will stop live music in Kenny, Texas, and that's the Astros making the World Series um, or uh, the National Finals Rodeo being televised on the Cowboy Channel. Other that we'll, we'll tell it, we'll, you know, we, we want to, that's the kind of stuff that we promote. Other than that, it's live music, but it would, on a Friday night traditionally, because it would be more of a local crowd, we would have more of an acoustic act tonight. Now, maybe a ticket acoustic act. Um, or a, a local cover band, uh, a dance band. And then on Saturdays is when we're going to shoot to try to do like we had Dina Carter a couple weeks ago um, and um, would have um, had Daryl Worley tomorrow night, but we had to have a, we had a cancellation conflict or whatever, and then Gene Watson. So Saturdays are primarily listening room, bigger acts, I would say. Fridays try to keep it more local just because people don't have time to travel to get to us in time to start a good show. Cause we shut down at 10 o'clock too. Cause that stops all the fighting too. If you shut your doors at 10 o'clock, stop the music, stop, stop selling stuff and, um, and send people on home to, you know, catch the weather channel. Then they're, they're a lot happier than they are at 2 AM. Nothing good happens after midnight. They say Tony Kruger, Nobody Krieger, on the road Tony, Tony, Tony Krieger nightmare at the Kenny store night. Yeah. You need to, you need to throw a big Halloween party. Um, Jacob Boyd, your stepson. Yep. Yes, sir. What's, this cat's got a song called Mom Pa. I listen to it all the time. He's got other good songs he's written. Great kid. 
great head on his shoulders. Not a very good shot with a shotgun. You need to get him out there in the sporting clay course and practice. I'm just, I'm just messing with you, Jacob. No, you're not. I know. I know. <laughs> he's, he's, man. He's a, he's a. I didn't, I didn't know that I could even get him out there. He's an animal lover, man. He loves his dogs, you know. And and him and his wife, man, they're all about the animals. I didn't, I didn't know if the whole, but he liked it and he loved it. He told me, he said, they gave me my opportunity and I failed miserably. I said. That's okay. They can't play and sing either. <laughs> um, but his music's good, man. He's got a he's got a a little good thing going here. Uh, what do you think's getting ready to happen with him? I know he's playing guitar in another band. And uh, you excited for him, man? I'm for the man for the first time in a long time. I'm super stoked for Jacob because he's happy and he knows where he wants to go and what he wants to do. You know, and there's different acts out there. You know. Um, He's he wants to write. He wants to be a writer and a and a and a good vocalist first. But right now he just he wants to be in that band with Jake. And I don't I don't blame him one bit. Jake Worthington, man, I'm there's probably not very many bigger fans out there of, of Jake Worthington. And I will tell you that he's Jake Worthington will set the the country music world on fire in a very short amount of time because he's with the right people. He's got the right management, the right label, the right producers you know, between Joey Moy and, 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 and those guys like that, he's, he's right where he needs to be. And they're recognizing the talent that he's got. And Jacob is going to, from what I feel like and what he's shared with me is he's going to sink his, sink his heels in and put his head down and go to work for Jake and whatever he needs to accomplish in that, uh, whatever Jake needs Jacob to accomplish is what Jacob's prepared to do at this point. In the meantime, he's in writing rooms with guys like I, just a lot of great guys, you know, but and he wants to write. And um, if his solo career happens, it does. If it doesn't, it doesn't matter to him because it's about writing the music and playing it. And um, but, yeah, I think he's got talent. I think he's got just as good a shot as anybody else, you know, but it takes luck and it takes money. That's really what it boils down to in this industry is money and luck. The right people. I agree 100 percent. Now, I'm getting off of Wyatt here. Jacob Worthington. Remind Jake me who the, who's the other Talking about Jake Bush? You were you introduced me to Jake Bush, right? Yes, I introduced you to Jake Bush. Um, and Jake Bush is a Texas artist coming off of four number one singles right now. And uh, he's a guy that I don't know that I've seen a whole lot of him work any harder or try to handle it more professional. Um, when he shows up at our venue, we don't have to worry about anything because he's going to be there when he says he's going to be there. He's going to play the gig. He's going to blow their hair back. He's going to sell tickets and um, he's easy to square up with at the end of the night. I mean, he's, you know, he's been sober, you know, for a great accomplishment for a while now. And, and, um, and I'm proud of him and I'm working with him and, and trying to, trying to find him a, you know, a good booking agent and, and get him going that way because he's got what it takes, man. And, and, and I'm excited. He's, he's the first act that I signed. I had Jacob that I was working with and I shouldn't say signed me and Jacob, me and Jake Bush are on a handshake deal. Uh, we don't believe in contracts because if it ain't happy, if he ain't happy. I ain't happy. We'll both know it. We don't need a contract to keep us there. So, but once we kind of, she started working with me and, and I started working with Tim. Um, we've had, we've made some pretty good strides because he's, he's got the talent. Let's This is a new one. Yeah. 
wish I couldn't see my face in the mirror staring at a man who's lost it all things like a grown man do my best to smile he does be nice to that bartender but so far he ain't doing his job <laughs> What's in my blood ain't strong enough to make me forget. Oh. Oh, damn it. $100 heartache and a $2 drink. I'll drink, baby. What a that, song, that song's called $2 Drink by... Yeah. Jake Bush. Now we're gonna do one more real quick. Just check, just, out, check out Cowgirl. Well, let me hear this real quick. What's this uh, one all about? This is our other boy, Jake Worthington. Jake is singing. Jake Worthington's with Ronnie Dunn and Jake Owen on Jones and on a Hardy mixtape. Ooh, I'm gonna play this one. This is Jake Worthington. I know this song. I didn't know this was Jake Worthington. Yeah. This is a good one. You want to know who wrote it? Hey. Hell of a highway? Yeah, you want to know who wrote it? Yeah. Talked to him yesterday. He was co-writer. I know he's at least one writer on it. White McCubbin. Oh, really? Yeah. I like this cat's voice, too. Yeah, I, I, and I may be wrong. I, I can look at it, but I, it was like Wyatt, maybe Carson Chamberlain, maybe. Don't hold me to him, but Wyatt for sure. They didn't wipe by himself. No, that's country there. All right, we're gonna we're gonna talk oh, about he's country and a chicken pecker. I'm telling you, <laughs> we're talking three new <laughs> artists today on this episode of This Life yeah. Ain't for Everybody. Brought to you by the one, and the only, the iconic, the Jack Daniels, the Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey. Enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking, Lynchburg, Tennessee. Thank you, Jack Daniels, the new bonded, the new triple mash. The Two New Rise by Miss Lexi Phillips and her awesome husband, Josh Phillips. Jack Daniels continues to set themselves apart as the whiskey that we all look to. The most tattoos of any brand in the history of the world. Number two is Harley Davidson, if that's telling you anything. But people absolutely love Jack Daniels. Again, enjoy it responsibly, everything in moderation. But right now, I'm looking forward to a Friday night, and I'm going to kick back and listen to these three new artists brought to you by Box. That's how I listen to my music, the DB1 and the DB2. Thank you to everybody in Florida and Georgia at Deemerbox. Check them out at Deemerbox.com. You will absolutely be enthralled. Pair them together, put them around your swimming pool, make surround sound happen in the blink of a... It just I'm talking like a blink of an eye. It, will, it sounds amazing. We're going to listen to Jake Worthington. We're going to listen to Jake Bush. And we're going to listen to Jacob Boyd. I mean, is this really happening to me? All three of the artists are all Jakes. I mean, this is going to be one heck of a Friday night. Talking to Tony Krieger, Tony Kruger. He's getting ready to dress up with some knife blades on his fingertips. I'm going to sit back with two fingers on ice. A Jack Daniels probably going to go with a little bit of the triple mash tonight. Be careful that triple mash will sneak up on you now. Jake Worthington, Jake Bush, and Jacob Boyd music. That's who I'm going to listen to tonight. Support. 
music, support artists, support the lyrics, Man, support the songwriting, support the things that matter. Listen to a music. Like when I was on the, when I was on the, the, the podcast yesterday with Wyatt McCubbin and I mentioned this songwriter out of Kentucky, who's my favorite songwriter of all time. He's right there with Brent Cobb and Jamie Johnson is Chris Knight. And when I hear Chris Knight, who is an honorary Texan needs to be selling out the Kenny store. There's not yeah. a finer stall. There's not a finer song ever of it ain't easy being me or rural route or down the river. I, I, I could just go on and on, send it on down that he did with Leanne Womack. This man mm-hmm. is a genius. And when I mentioned his name, Wyatt McCubbin got the shakes. He got all the goosebumps. He got all, he got into his feelings. And here's why. That's what freaking music is supposed to do to you. That's what a music venue like the Kenny store is supposed to do to you. You see authenticity, you see legitimacy, you see passion, you see love, you see family, you see kids and grandkids dancing on their grandpa on their grandma's feet. That's America. That's Texas. That's music. That's what it's supposed to do to you. So I raise a glass of Jack Daniels and I toast and salute my man, Tony Krieger and Kruger. I don't know exactly how he wants me to pronounce it, but I'm going to say Kruger. I think it's Kruger. Rita. How about to say toast Rita Krieger because it was her toast, idea. Tony and Rita Krieger. I, Rita, well, you're out there. He, I love your husband because he keeps giving you, he knows where he's getting fed tonight. He knows what's <laughs> going on. Tony is not stupid, but get into the music, get into the lyric, get into these artists that we just played today. Jake Worthington, Jake Bush, Jacob Boyd. Just listen to the lyric. Just because they're not mainstream. Just because they don't have 20 million followers, just because they don't have 50 million downloads or streams on Spotify, it's a matter of time. And that's what the Kenny store is doing. It's putting them on stage. It's putting them in front of people. And it's letting that lyric and that passion and love be heard. That's what I love. That's why I wear Guns N' Roses, because you're never going to find a better songwriter than Axl Rose and Slash. They're the best rock band of all time. Maybe I'm too opinionated, Tony. Oh, you, no, but... that's, I agree with that. That's my favorite rock band, Guns N' Roses. That's where I'm going to fall in. But I mean, what are we, three years apart or something? Yeah. I, mean, it, it I, I just The album, Appetite for Destruction, plus Use Your Illusion 1 and 2. I don't know if you could ever beat it, but I get into their music. I listen to the lyrics. I came up in a time of music where I would open up what we would call the inlet, the insert, the, the cassette tape. <laughs> Okay, that vinyl, and I would read the lyrics. I'd read about them. I would get. I I didn't get to go on now, like what Tony talked about today. You go on Guns and Roses Instagram and watch watch their story. There's no intimacy left when I'm getting ready to go see the concert the next night. I got to discipline myself not to watch this stuff because I want it to be a surprise. I want it to take me to a different place. I want Mr. Brownstone or these songs that we're listening to by these Texas artists to take me to a different place. So support music, support good music. It doesn't have to be worldwide. It doesn't have to be blown up yet. Just like Tony alluded to today, he could have booked Chris Stapleton. Could you imagine Parachute being sang in the Kenny store? Come on now. I mean, Traveler got album of the year. Album of the year. You know what it takes to get album of the year? And Tony had a chance to book him. That's what's going on at the Kenny store. Any closing words, my man? Man. No, just go out and just go out. And, I, I, I tag every video that I do with this, you know, Hey, we'll see y'all down the trail. And if we don't see y'all let somebody see y'all because there's a local bar that's got an artist on the stage. that's got his Venmo and he's needing that $40 to basically, you know, buy, you know, buy his tank of gas to get back home or something like that, man, go out and support it. Check out your songwriters, man. That's where it's at. There's no songs without the songwriters. So start looking back like we were talking about, 
that's the hardest thing now with the digital world is finding out who, you know, it's, it's easy to find out who wrote it, but I want to know what studio they've come out of because, you know, those are the important guys too, depending on where they, I mean, so much of this Texas music comes out of Tyler, Texas, right there, Rosewood studios. And um, those guys over there, Drew and Carrie, that's, I mean, that's where those three guys that I'm talking about, that same studio, a lot of the same musicians, Nate Coon and, and, and some of those guys that play with Aaron Watson, uh, that, that are the musicians in there. Those are the guys that are making your music, you know, go research and find out what studio it is and, you know, follow those guys because they're just, they're, they're just as important as the guy that's writing the song or the guy that's singing it. And they're not always the same people, you know, it's, this, it's, it's unbelievable. The, the, how many levels there is for a hit song to hit radio and go follow those people and try to support them because they're, they're out there trying to pay the bills. You know, those studios are trying to pay musicians, trying to pay light bills and, and trying to get it going. So, you know, check, check out the back part of it. Don't just fall into the, the social hype, you know, do a little research on every song that you like. Agreed. 100%. And get your asses to the Kenny store in Kenny, Texas at the Kenny store on Instagram, thekennystore.com. Look at upcoming shows, fall and winter coming. Go get cozied up at a beer joint, listen to some good music, eat some good Texas food. Everybody says Texas got the best barbecue, beef barbecue, fat up, fat down on a brisket, Franklin Barbecue in Austin. Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top's been on the podcast a couple times, and he loves his barbecue, and he swears by Texas barbecue. I don't know. I don't know. I like that dry rub somewhere. I like Memphis. I like I like it all, but Texas. Yeah. I, I think the best barbecue that I've had in the last five years has been in a food truck in that little food truck part in Austin, Texas. Texas has got it going on. I haven't been all over for barbecue, but Texas has got so much to offer. I've been there a ton of times. I'm getting ready to go see George Strait in Fort Worth next month at Dickey's Arena. I'm excited as heck for that. Thank you to our sponsor and partner, Dickey's, for having us into their Dickey's workwear right out of Fort Worth, Texas. It's been another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody. Please continue to support the partners and sponsors that support us. Continue to leave a, lead a safe life. Be a leader. Be a mentor. Be an inspiration and an influence. Love the best of your ability. Look somebody in the eye and shake their hand. Wake up. Make a better version of yourself every day. If your feet are on this side of the dirt, stay in shape. Keep your cholesterol down. Keep your alcohol intake to a minimum. I'm telling you, this life is special. It's precious. And I got good friends that are approaching 90. Les Nesbitt's 83. John LaMonico's 93 now. And they're still rocking in the Duckwoods every day in the Deer Mountains. They're still going to live concerts and watching music because they decided to take care of themselves. I'm not on a soapbox. I've just been on this big kick lately that life is precious and we've lost people in the blink of an eye that should still be with us. I know that anything could happen, but that's the message I'm leaving you with today as for this podcast with my friend Tony Kruger at the Kenny store. Him and his wife, Rita, are killing it and giving people a new direction in music, a new place to listen to it. I'm fired up. I can't wait to get there. Thank you all for listening to This Life Ain't For Everybody. Thank you to Jack Daniels and Deemer Box. I'm Chad Belding for Tony Kruger and the Tony store, or the Kenny store, I'm sorry. Thank you all very much. We're going to go out with a Jacob Boyd song. This song is called Mom Pop. Coming up out of the ground Trees that don't grow tall We run a thousand head of cattle Out on this place Just me, Ma, and Pa Got caliche heroes running through it 
Like the veins in his worn out body As a kid I'd stand on that old platform Shoot the ski with my folk tin shoddy When he bought this place in 95 Didn't have nothing on it but a gravel drive And a trailer Although he survived Yeah, that the company man put a tire on He said measure it twice Cause I don't want it to fall On that house built by me Swimming hole that my daddy built by damming up that creek. One day I flipped over that giant boat and there was a copperhead on my seat.